0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tommy Castor, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel.
2: And welcome in, everybody, and we welcome in Dan Israel for our weekly visit here as the Chiefs come out of the bye and get ready for Sunday night football against Tennessee, uh, Dan, hope the bye week treated you well. Hope you got your fill of uh, trick or treating one way or the other last <laughs> night. Welcome back. Here we go. It's another game week.
3: Why is there never any candy left over? That's what I want to know.
2: Well, we've got buckets <laughs> full. You can have <laughs> There's some There's always results. candy it's everywhere in, the in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got it. Uh, treats for the Chiefs this week. The Chiefs hope a chance to get a little bit healthier. I want to start, Dan, with the, the most recent transaction and the addition of Kadarius Tony. Um, we, we understand his upside and all those things. Is he ready to play? Like what, what are his chances at playing for the chiefs in the immediate future?
3: Well, you know, I definitely think he could probably play as a returner, you know, in the special teams. I think that he'll probably have a play or two, you know, that's, that's, he's ready to go on. I I can't imagine him absorbing, gosh, I think there's 400 pages in the, in the chiefs playbook. So I can't imagine him absorbing all of that and just, the few days that he had, but uh, you know, he's uh, reportedly a very smart individual. So if he's, if he can absorb it, I think as quickly as he can, they'll get him into the mix.
1: Dan, what do you think this, uh, this acquisition of Kadarius Tony means for the wide receiver room in the long term? like looking ahead uh, more than just this season, but in the next couple of seasons uh, for Kansas city and the, the other wide receivers that they currently have.
3: You know, I would say that guys like uh, MVS and, and Juju are, are probably on a plane uh, due to their status uh, in the league that, that it's not going to affect them much. I, I would say McCole Hardman is so established as a Chiefs, knows the playbook so well that it probably has a little bit of competition for for all three of those individuals, but not much. The guy I really think that's going to be affected most, the two guys that are going to be affected most are – Justin and, and, and Sky. I, I think Sky Moore here, you know, unfortunately didn't do himself any favors. I know that was a, a wicked punt that he was trying to field last week, but to muff another punt, you know, in a situation where you're already under pressure there, you're already feeling it. And I, I think it probably brings an air of competition to Watson and, and, and Moore the most to say, hey, who's going to be that? that number 3 guy, uh, number 4 guy out there, you know, and and uh, who's going to get the opportunity to to do some special teams work and and, and I would expect it, you know, Tony is gosh, Tony is so agile. I mean, when you watch his when you watch his film, he's fast and he can turn on a dime, very reminiscent of of Tyreek Hill's kind of play. Uh, but, you know, so it gives them a different kind of dimension, but, you know, I, I personally am I'm growing disappointed with Sky Moore's progress, and so it feels a little bit to me like those, you know, Watson and Moore are probably the guys that, that'll feel the pressure the most.
2: Yeah, I, I I think I agree with all that. I think Tony can help maybe in the short term, but, you know, long term, right, it's a move that I think tells us they may get priced out on Juju and we know MVS is under contract, but I mean I think when we look ahead after this year, a wide receiver room if you if you're betting on continued development and in Tony's case a total buy in to the system, Tony and Sky Moore and M V S and I mean that's that's a pretty exciting and dynamic room down the road. It
3: is. And you know, we talked I think last week or the week before about the chiefs do the tr- chiefs trainers do an incredible job of keeping players healthy, which has been Tony's real downfall, right? is just staying on the field. And, and so, you know, if they can bring him to a, uh, a place where he's able to, to, you know, get a lot of playing time uh, he's able to see enough action and be productive. Uh, he, he definitely is a long-term prospect. And then I think at the end of the season, we'll know more about Sky Moore. We'll know was this a developmental project? Was it just, uh, uh, you know, a situation where there is so much to learn as a rookie in this league and mm-hmm. it was uh, all he could do to learn it? Or is this really a, a situation where maybe Sky is, is hitting the the, you know, the ceiling with, with where he's at? I, I can't imagine the latter is true, but, uh, you know, again, I think we all expected so much of him coming out of camp. I feel like our expectations were probably what needed to be adjusted more so than our, than our actual, uh, you know, overall uh, prospect for this young man. And then in Watson, you know, I, I think Watson was a, you know, a little bit of a, a shoot where uh, if we can develop this guy, it does speak more. But I, I think one of, one of those guys is definitely not going to be here next year, but still looks like a very promising wide receiver core.
1: Well, you would assume that with that acquisition of Kadarius Toney last week, that that will be the main acquisition, at least before the trade deadline on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, But that trade deadline is just a few hours away, Dan. Uh, We've talked before about, you know, potentially a need uh, on the defensive side with maybe the pass rush or the secondary. Uh, What do you think as far as um, any potential moves that Kansas City might make? Do you think that there will be something that goes on here in the next few hours?
3: I've not heard any rumblings, but I mean they're so good at keeping that quiet. It wouldn't surprise me if they did pull one out of the hat, but I, I, I think of anything they're they're probably looking at a cornerback situation uh, more than anything. Uh, but don't don't expect much. I, I think they've probably done all they're going to do. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I think if they they're not going to go out and make a big splash, I can tell you that. Especially with the the you know the the amount of cap space that Tony will occupy. I can't imagine that there's much left to do anything splashy, but uh, and I think they're always looking for somebody that can contribute immediately. So if there's a player out there who possibly could, as a, you know, I think it's it, this whole Tony situation, it, choosing uh, to go out and get a an offensive guy versus a defensive guy, is somewhat telling of the philosophy that this team wants to operate under, which is to say, you know, this this defense is keeping teams under seventeen points, under twenty points here you know, 22 points there, they feel that's good enough defense if they can score 30. And so I think the real objective here with Tony was to say, we need to score three more points a game. We need to score seven more points a game. If we do, our defense is good. So I don't expect much, but I, I guess nothing would surprise me.
2: And I think you do have to bake in some improvement in the young players on that defense too. Absolutely. Um, you know that that's a part of it. That's a part of it as well. We know Frank Clark will be gone for a couple of weeks. Does that provide a younger guy the opportunity to come up and and perhaps make some plays in there? That's for sure in there. This week it's Tennessee and here come the Titans and they're really interesting. I'll bet if you polled a lot of casual football fans or even football fans that are paying attention, probably not a lot of people realize Tennessee's five and two, right? They you know Tannehill got hurt. Malik Willis comes in. They. Derrick Henry looks like the Derrick Henry of old. They're just sort of getting it done a little bit. Not the best defense in the league, but they're getting better and been, you know, of of the AFC team's one of the better defenses. How big a threat is Tennessee at home on Sunday Night Football? Yeah,
3: I kind of think the Titans and the Ravens are both kind of sneaky quiet there. They're both, you know, uh, on the incline, and I I, I feel like they're both capable of playing very good football, well-coached, have a lot of talent on their team. Tennessee Titans in particular, man, you know, when – when Derrick Henry is having a day, man, it, it just almost seems like it, nothing else matters. The 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 man is just so intense uh, with his ability to produce that I feel like when he when they when they actually get a plan to just stay behind Derrick Henry's running, uh, there's almost nothing uh, that, you know you can you can defend that with other than to stop Henry. Now the Chiefs have had good luck at stopping Henry in the past, but I, I feel like you know if Henry has the kind of running uh, day that he had last week. I mean, it's going to be a tough haul on Sunday because he is definitely a handful to stop. Now, I do think the Chiefs are in a better position to stop than the years past simply because the linebacking core is so much stronger. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Nick Bolton will – you know, we'll see what kind of progress he can make against Derrick Henry because once that man gets up ahead of steam. I remember meeting him at Super Bowl 54, and my first thought with him was, my goodness, up close – He's a giant. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's human. He's so big, so athletic, and to be fast on top of that just doesn't seem fair. But uh, always going to present the, you know, in, in my opinion, a significant challenge to stop him, no matter whether it's uh, in Tennessee or whether it's in Arrowhead.
1: Mike Vrabel is a defensive coach, uh, and over the last five games, that five-game winning streak for Tennessee. They've played some of the best defense in football. In fact, last week when Tennessee beat Houston, the Titans only allowed 161 yards of total offense. Of course, Kansas City is different than Houston, and Patrick Mahomes is different than Davis Mills. I mean, that's a huge understatement. But <laughs> right. what does Kansas City offensively have to do to be able to beat what Tennessee is able to bring to the table defensively?
3: You know, I think that the the there's enough variation in the in the passing game to – to confuse Tennessee uh, the, the, these you know uh, you have to execute well no matter what right I mean no matter what the game plan is, if they get off script and they start juggling balls they don't catch what's thrown or Mahomes makes you know pressed throws and turns the ball over all of this falls apart but I really just feel like if the Chiefs can play a balanced offense like they've been playing uh in particular maybe against the san francisco 49ers if they can do the similar thing to what they did against the 49ers where they're it's a combination of running the football and then passing it around i, I think it's enough to, to to handle the the tennessee defense then it really becomes a, a incumbent upon our defense to stop their offense but uh you know you're right they they Vrabel is much like spagnolo can disguise those defenses so well I uh, just not sure they'll be able to to fool Mahomes. I think Mahomes is a few years into this too much to to really be fooled easily. They may get him a time or two, but they're not going to get him all game long.
2: Yeah, it's it'll be um it it'll be a good one. I'm I'm excited about the game. I think it's a good test. But I mean the, the Titans are on a 5 game win streak. That's the longest win streak in the AFC. They're playing well, and, and Willis will present his own challenges if he runs. It's probably different than Tannehill. How do you prepare for that? And I don't know what Tannehill's status is this week, uh, but Willis that can run, Henry that can run. The Chiefs have done a pretty good job against them historically. Do you lean there, or is this different? Because it feels like this the same old Tennessee team to me.
3: Well, I think anytime you have a player, uh, in particular a quarterback or a significant position player, that you don't have a lot of film on, it makes it very difficult to to, to... You know, determine what tendencies you can exploit. Uh, however, a lot of times in those situations, if you can find that tendency, uh, it's a usually a big enough one that you can crack it wide open. Especially in a young, inexperienced player, uh, whether that's a you know a guy patting the ball or you know he turns his hip one way when he's whatever whatever they can find. If they can find that, uh, they can really exploit it greatly. Uh, the the best thing about experience is you know you know all of these things not to do, right? And, and inexperienced players just don't know that. So, But when there's not a lot of film on this guy, uh, it makes it tough to find those. So I really feel like if they come out, if Spagnuolo's been able to scope something that he can exploit, I, I think he'll find this quarterback having a very, very long day. If not... I think it could take them a half. I mean, you could see a situation where the Chiefs are going to have to make adjustments at halftime, which, by the way, I feel like they've done very good at this year. Uh, I, I think in years past, some of, the, some of the, uh, you know, the aggravation for me or the consternation for me has been when we don't make enough changes at halftime, you know things are going a certain way, and you're still at the Bengals games from a couple of years ago just – stand out to me you know it just it, it feels like we couldn't adjust quick enough or not a couple of years ago last year and then I, I feel like they've done a very good job of that this year um that's going to be necessary this this week if they if they don't if they're not effective against uh the Titans offense in the first half they're going to have to figure out a way to keep that pressure on in the second half and allow the offense to score
1: Dan, one of the storylines over the last 48 hours surrounding Kansas City has been uh, sort of the um, unhappiness of Ronald Jones. Um, the the quarter or the the running back room uh, that is for Kansas City throughout the first seven games going into the bye week, it's kind of been running back by committee with Jarek McKinnon, Clyde edwards helaire and Isaiah Pacheco. Do you envision that continuing after the bye week, or do you think that one of these guys or maybe two of these guys will rise to the top. Uh, Kansas City is ranked 19th in rushing yards and 17th in yards per carry. So there is some room for improvement there. Do you think that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy will lean on all three of these guys continuing out of the bye? Or do you think that we'll start to see maybe somebody separate themselves?
3: Is different runners as they are, this different style runners as they are, I think you're going to continue to see kind of a running back by committee. Uh, where Rojo fits into this thing, nobody really knows yet. I mean, I think they'll continue to try to you know, jumpstart him much like they did Jerick McKinnon a year ago, where, you know, McKinnon wasn't getting much time, wasn't getting much time. All of a sudden, burst out of nowhere late in the season and into the playoffs, and and really almost felt like the starting back, kind of the featured back at that point. But I think you'll see, I think you'll see them continue to rely on rely on Ceh, on Pacheco and McKinnon here uh, for the time being. They're just so they're just such different style runners, you know ceh uh, e. is very different from pacheco and uh, mckinnon is is different from the other two as well so i feel like it gives them the adverse or the uh the advantage of diversity in presenting looks in and forcing the linebackers to deal with not only the run game but who's in the run game you know uh, when you have very different runners like that guys uh, they can all catch out of the backfield and you've got to you just present so many different variables to the defense that it, it makes it difficult. So I would expect that to continue. But, you know, uh, I think when any one of those emerges in a given game, expect to get more of it. <laughs> you know, I, I think you'll, we've seen that time and time again. When a guy's hot, they'll deal him the hot hand. And and so within
2: the game, expect
3: a feature. But over several games, expect that committee uh, aspect to, to continue.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point, maybe depending on the defense they're playing too. Kansas City does not look like they'll get challenged in the AFC West. Denver and the Raiders are both a mess, and the Chargers I would think are too banged up at this point. It's a really interesting dynamic though because even though the Chiefs may have some breathing room within the division, they don't they don't have breathing room because of Buffalo right? Like there still will be pressure on Kansas City to win every game down the stretch because of the postseason implications here.
3: Yeah, this whole season has unfolded quite a bit different than what we originally expected in the AFC West. I mean, you can't say that it's disappointing, but it certainly hasn't been the arms race that we thought it would be. The conference really hasn't even been that way as well. I mean, we've seen uh, so much struggle out of teams that we didn't expect to. Certainly, the Bengals, uh, you know, were just almost embarrassed last night. And and but the one team that it just absolutely has produced every bit the way we thought they could, and maybe even then some, was the is the Bills. And so. There's no room in the conference whatsoever. Very little margin of error, especially having lost to them in the regular season. They're going to hold the tiebreaker somewhere along the line. The, uh, the Chiefs are going to have to pick up some road if they expect to keep that home field advantage to keep the uh, Arrowhead Invitational, also known as the AFC Championship, in Arrowhead. I, I, I feel like, though, you know, every team has a, a, a stumble throughout a season, or typically uh, where they do that. The Bills uh, had that one, once already. It could have it again. Uh, somebody is going to match up against the Bills better than another team uh, it, it, they just look you know unbeatable uh, right now but yeah the division I think is, is is an easy one to say they should handle the division easily uh, they should be able to get at least that you know the top four seeds due to that division championship but is it going to be enough to really keep them you know stout at home seated at home in the playoffs uh, way too early to say but you know, the division alone, probably not, no.
2: All right, Dan. Well, we got a big one, Sunday Night Football. Those are always fun to put the Chiefs in prime time. What do you guys have coming up on the broadcast that people, of course, uh, can hear on our family networks over on KNSS? Uh,
3: we're going we're gonna to take a look back at a few things. We've got a, uh, another tribute to Lynn Dawson that's coming up. It's going to be a good Sunday. Uh, I feel like this is, a you know uh, as you mentioned, a, a good challenge for the Chiefs to come off the bye. We all know how good Mahomes and, and Reid are off the bye. But a very good Tennessee Titans team coming in with a lot of momentum. This is going to be an exciting football game. And, and just like those Bills games are, this is a, this is a game that's probably going to come down to the fourth quarter and, and should be 60 full minutes of excitement. So uh, I'm expecting a good broadcast.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We're excited about it. Uh, Good luck with Derrick Henry and everything else, Dan. We'll uh, hear you and the rest of the crew on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Have a good call. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Go Chiefs. All right. There goes Dan Israel. We'll get into some of the things he presented and and brought forward there. You'll, of course, hear him in that Chiefs game against the Titans Sunday night over on KNSS 98.7 FM, 1330 AM. Uh, and we'll have all sorts of Chiefs content here on KFH as well. If you missed any piece of that conversation, you can always find it at kfhradio.com. We'll come back. Sports Daily with Jacob and Tommy continues after this.
1: Dude, you got to hear this.
0: Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Feeling Sports feeling Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor. Let's go through some of what we, uh, we're going through with Dan there as we look ahead for the first time at the Titans game here, Tommy. Uh, coming out of a bye week, we know how good Andy Reid is coming out of a bye, right? It's just otherworldly how effective his teams are in that scenario. Um, the Chiefs are heavy favorites, so 12.5 points. Against a 5-2 and two team that's on a five-game win streak. With Derrick Henry playing out of his mind, playing pretty good defense. No chance I'm touching that line. Goodness, 12 and a half points?
3: It's the yeah, biggest spread of
2: the week. Whoa. That's Actually, not, that's that not that true. High. The Texans. The Texans and the Jets are both getting 13. Uh, so it's technically not the highest. But, man.
1: Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, the, the the spread is at a point to where as much as I think that Kansas City is going to win this game, do I want to place any money on them winning by 13 or more? I mean, they probably can, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to put any real money on it. I mean, come on. Like, that is that is a crazy spread.
2: That's a crazy spread. All right, no chance. Uh, 46 and a half, I like getting over that, though, I think. I think. I'll have to think about that. Uh, you know, T- uh, Kansas City against Tennessee has done well in the past. We know they've met a bunch, right, in these current regimes um, in the past few years. It's something that, you you know, they've each had their moments. I'm trying to think, you know, Derrick Henry, and the reason I think that the Chiefs have had success is Derrick Henry against the Chiefs. Uh, he's gotten them once for a lot, where he just gashed them back in 2019 right, where he had uh, 188 yards and a couple of touchdowns, eight a little over eight yards a carry. In the most recent meeting, last year, in October, he had 30 carries for 86 yards. So, I mean, we know that the Titans all sort of run through Derrick Henry. We've seen him both ways against the Chiefs. He's gotten them, and he hasn't gotten them. So... That's one of the reasons why 12 and a half because if Derrick Henry has one of his games, which by the way, he's seemingly having every week now, he's just on fire at the moment. Then that's going to make it really hard on the Chiefs, really hard on the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I, I feel like the strategy defensively for Kansas City in this game um, is, is telegraphed right now. And I think it's pretty simple to be able to figure out what that is. You got to sell out on Derrick Henry and make whether it's Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill beat you with the, with their arms. I mean, that's just simply put. Malik Willis last week against Houston was 6 of 10 for 55 yards and an interception, and he was sacked three times. Um, and he looked overwhelmed. He had moments where he looked okay, but he looked overwhelmed uh, for the most part against Houston. Um, and, and then, if, of course, if Ryan Tannehill starts, he has been, I feel like, over the course of his time at Tennessee, okay at best. Uh, and so I feel like, you know, that Derrick Henry, uh, is the focal point offensively. You know, that that offense runs through him literally. Uh, so you've got to sell out for that and you've got to sell out to stop the run. Um, Willie Gay is that guy to be able to do so. Uh, the linebackers, the other linebackers and Darius Harris and Nick Bolton, they've got to be able to do that as well. Um, and, and of course. If you can get pressure on whether it's Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, that's going to greatly increase the success defensively for Kansas City. One thing that I like about this game uh, for the Chiefs defensively is that it should take a little bit of pressure, you would think, off of the secondary who has struggled at times this season. Um, There's really not a playmaking wide receiver that Tennessee has. Um, you know they don't have AJ Brown anymore, and so they've yeah. lost that that super athletic wide receiver that can burn you. So I feel like this is an opportunity for the secondary to get right a little bit, but you've got to sell out to stop the run.
2: Yeah, I mean they have they have Robert Woods, uh, but Willis threw it. Who was great six, five or six years ago? W- Willis completed six of ten passing for fifty five yards. I'm not sure, honestly. And Willis didn't didn't really do anything. Um, against the Texans on the ground or through the air. You know, I'm not sure which quarterback I think would be better for the Chiefs to face. Tannehill's got the experience and is clearly a better passer at the moment. But I kind of think Willis's athletic ability and ability to run it might be more of a problem in this short-term environment for the Chiefs. Um, And, you know, the pressure's off the secondary to stop the pass, but the pressure's on the secondary to try and tackle, right, to try and tackle (laughs) – Derrick Henry at the moment, who's – listen to Derrick Henry's numbers. And a lot of this has come against not great defenses, but still. He's in a in a in a, in the five-game win streak right now for the Titans, which is what they're on. They've beaten Vegas, Indianapolis twice, Washington, and Houston. Keep that in mind. They've played a soft schedule this year. But in the last five games of those wins, uh, 85 yards, 114, 102, 128 – 219 and six touchdowns over those five games. He's catching the ball at a decent clip too, which is interesting. Uh, Not so much in that last game against Houston because he didn't need to. But in the other games ahead of that, five, three, two, and three catches. So that's a part of his game that's really coming along this year. I mean, it's his peak Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's entering this stage, and he may already be there, Tommy, in today's version of the NFL, where you're looking at a Hall of Fame running back here that's just not showing... The typical signs running back show of slowing down. He looks as good now to me as he ever has.
1: Yeah, there were so many different people that they were uh, riding Derrick Henry off after his injury shortened year last year. He only played in eight games for the Titans. Um, And, you know, of course, that year back in 2020, he won offensive player of the year, um, rushed for over 2000 yards. He is on pace to to do that. Um, you know, if he keeps this up, he can easily surpass that this season. So the fact that he's been able to rebound from injury in the way that he has. Um, and he's not a, he's not a spring chicken either. I mean, he's 28 years old, which is fairly old for a running back. That window of opportunity is, is starting to close for him a little bit. And he, you know, of course, I think it was easy to write him off after that injury last season. Like, oh yeah, you know, he's getting a little bit older and you know, he has that injury. He's not playing a whole lot. This may be the end of the, you know, the, the King Henry reign in Tennessee hasn't been the case so far. He's just as dangerous as he has been in the past.
2: Yeah. And, and we're going to find out too, because again, we just talked about the soft schedule, but you know, the chiefs, the Broncos, the Packers are in there. The, you know, the Bengals didn't look very good against Nick Chubb last night, but the Eagles are in there, the Jags twice, the chargers, the Cowboys down the stretch. So they they haven't begun their rough stretch of defenses in opposition just yet. So we'll see. But for Derrick Henry, It's all about momentum with him because if you can get him early in a game and sort of – and the good news for the Chiefs is if you're, you know, able to get a bigger lead, that's where that spread comes into play. If the Chiefs can get up early, it's going to be really hard on Tennessee because they're going to have to try and throw the football. But, man, when Henry gets any early momentum, and we know he's better as a game goes on, but if he's allowed to get to that 28-30 carry mark – that's going to be trouble because that means they're hanging around in the game. And as the game wears on, that's where he really starts to take over. But we've seen in the past in big games, if teams can get him early and get out to a little bit of a big league and keep him down like Buffalo did, by the way, that's, you know, Buffalo beat them 41 to seven, Buffalo smoked them. And Derek Henry was only able to carry the ball 13 times. I mean, that's the key is how you play in the first half really against Tennessee. If you're Kansas city and you can, Put a big number between you and them in the first half. They're gonna. They, they don't. They're not really equipped to come back from that. And the Chiefs are capable of doing that, especially Tommy out of the bye week. Like I love the Chiefs to win this game. I don't know about the margin. It's too big for me to put any money on. But they, they've got a good opportunity here because coming out of a bye, you know how much they can script out. It is very much within the realm of possibility for that to get out to a big lead. But the big key to that will be stopping in those first two, three, four drives, stopping Henry in his tracks and not letting him get any momentum going.
1: You absolutely have to have to stack the box early. That's what you have to do defensively. Uh, And Buffalo did that. Now, Buffalo has a better overall defense than Kansas City does. I think we can all agree on that. That being said, the strategy should be the same. Um, you've got to limit him early. You mentioned that game at Buffalo. Derrick Henry had 13 carries, and he only had 25 yards on the ground. He averaged fewer than two yards a carry against Buffalo. Of course, uh, Buffalo got up early, and at that point, I mean, what's Tennessee going to do? Rely on Ryan Tannehill to beat them? It's not going to happen. And so if that can be the strategy and you can take the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands, the offense for Kansas City can get into the end zone early. Um, it, it might force Mike Vrabel to have to completely adjust that offensive plan. You want to lean heavily. You have to lean heavily on Derrick Henry, but not if you're down two or three touchdowns. It makes it really difficult to come back. They're not built that way to be able to do that. So that's got to be the game plan, and I'm I'm assuming it is uh, for Kansas City coming out of well, the sure. bye
2: week. We've seen, though, in, in the past, I mean, Derrick Henry can start, with a two yard per carry average in the first quarter but by the fourth quarter if that game's close it's gonna balloon up like that's kind of what he does so yes you got to stop him early which I think the Chiefs can by the way but you also have to get a big lead to then take him out he only had 13 carries against Buffalo I doubt if the game script allowed him to have 25 carries if that you know two yard and average carry would have stayed I th- I think it would have certainly gone up because that's what he does to defenses. I mean, he's just so imposing. What I always love about this matchup, Chiefs Titans, is you get Chris Jones and Derrick Henry. That that to me is as that like as far as like the in the trenches old school football, Chris Jones against Derrick Henry is as good as it gets. How do those two guys go at each other? How do the Titans try and move around Jones to get Henry some space? How can he disrupt that? And, of course, the linebackers are going to be, you know, very, very important in this too. But up front, man, with Chris Jones, because this isn't a pass rush game, right? Like, again, everyone was – not everyone. A lot of people were complaining about the timing of Frank Clark. Like, what a perfect time for him to be gone. The pass rush shouldn't be a factor in this game anyway. This is Jones versus Henry, and that's awesome because they're two of the best players in football.
1: So I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that um, – I, and I know what Frank Clark brings to the table. I know that he is um, more often than not a, a pass rush guy. Um, is there any concern that Derek Henry – He's not Henry, bad against the run. Right, but do you think Derek Henry can have more
2: success without Frank Clark on the field? Frank Clark, Frank Clark versus replacement value? Yes, I do. I mean, I do. I for sure do. Frank Clark's – again – back to when he he's better than replacement value. Don't don't get me wrong on that. He just my issue with Frank Clark has always been he wasn't worth what they gave up to get him or what they paid for him, but he's absolutely better than replacement value. The defense will miss him, I think. And if I'm the Titans, I do attack that side of the field. Like I would run right at whoever's filling in for Frank Clark initially and and Henry, you know, Henry does it all. He's not just an—and it's odd because he's so large, right? But he's not just an up-the-middle runner, right? He runs sweeps. He runs tosses. He does all kinds of different things in the backfield. So if the Titans choose to, yeah, they can go away from Chris Jones and attack the side that Frank Clark is missing on. They can for sure do that. And I don't think that's a bad strategy either to get away from Chris Jones. Like, why would you run at him if you have a choice? And they do have a choice, at least early in the game as they're trying to establish things. And then it it probably gets more on the linebackers. Or, you know, what corner is going to step up? If it's a toss play, who's going to come up and tackle Derrick Henry? It's happened. Look, the Chiefs have defended him well in the past, and he's killed them in the past. It's hard to predict which way that's going to go. But the offense can take that pressure off the defense if they can just come out and put a couple quick touchdowns up, which they're so good at doing out of a bye week. It's also been really interesting over the last couple of weeks because I've noticed
1: that Steve Spagnola has had Chris Jones lined up on the edge uh, more often than what I I feel like I've seen him in the past, um, and he's been effective on the edge also. So it makes me wonder if this game, if that will change at all, if we'll see more of Chris Jones' on the edge with, you know, potentially Frank Clark, obviously with Frank Clark out, uh, or if the, the game plan taking on a Derrick Henry is to keep him in the middle of that line because of how dangerous Henry can be between the tackles. Um, so that's going to be interesting to me. And with, you know, losing Frank Clark for the next couple of games, and then you've got the replacements out there, where is Chris Jones most valuable and most important for Kansas City to be lined up on on different plays, and I think, that I you, think can, in the, you can you can argue he's he's valuable everywhere. But where is the most valuable place for him to be?
2: Well, remember last year when they had the experiment of trying to put him on the edge? That didn't go well. I think his value always comes up the middle for the same reason Aaron Donald is so valuable. If Chris Jones in the middle of the you know in the middle of the defense commands two blockers. That helps the linebackers. That helps everybody. I think he's just disruptive there, whether he's involved in the play or not. Every time he's there and they have to devote that attention to him, I think it's valuable there. Because if they see him on the edge, right? Like, if you're lined up and you've got him on the edge, if you're whichever quarterback it is, you just call an audible and run the ball the other direction. I'm not a football coach, but that seems simple (laughs) enough to me. Like, if he's on the left edge, I'm going to say, all right, everybody, hang tight. Audible. Audible. Let's get our blockers going this way. We're gonna go the other way. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's always more valuable in the middle. I think that's what makes him so valuable is that he plays that specific position. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll continue the talk here on Sports Daily. 869 1240, time for your calls in the next segment. Um, we'll do let's we'll do a giveaway in the next segment as well. Let's let's give something away, get people excited on a Tuesday with our Halloween hangovers. We'll do that next on Sports Daily.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: All right, here we go, everybody. Sports Daily. Uh, Okay, trade deadline is today in the NFL. This used to not really be a thing. Nobody ever got traded. It's a thing now guys get traded all the time so could we see massive headline type deals today um i don't know tommy the interesting team and the most interesting team here is denver denver gave up so much to get russ could they now turn around and try and get some of that back And if they do, two names who you assumed would be major, major pieces of this franchise for a long, long time have been rumored out there. Jerry Judy, who we've heard for a long time now, who – I mean, Jerry Judy's talented. I think he'd make a hand for anybody, right? I I think Jerry Judy's future is still bright. But Bradley Chubb has now been uh, tossed around a little bit as a name that would command a lot, I think, for Denver. If you're Denver and – you know, the past is the past. They made the deal for Russ. They're they're sort of stuck with Russ now. But if you could make up some of that draft capital that you gave up, do you think it's in Denver's best interest to trade two of its younger, you know, star players, star type? I won't call Jerry Judy a star yet, but star, star caliber players.
1: I don't know. I think they might consider it if the, the offer is right and they get, you know, a good amount of draft capital back. But like you mentioned, it doesn't change the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is Russell Wilson. And you can't do anything about that. Um, So they're kind of, you know, caught between a rock and a hard place. Like regardless, if you've got Jerry, Judy and Bradley Chubb, or you can go out and I guess maybe try to draft replacements or try to, you know, get, get some good value, cheap value elsewhere through the draft. It doesn't really matter. You still have Russell Wilson as quarterback with that massive contract, with all of that guaranteed money tied to him for a long time uh so it, it's it's certainly not an advantageous position to be in uh if you're Denver now they did beat the Jaguars they're three and five they're I guess mathematically not out of it the season is long um you know Russell Wilson could maybe show why he had been considered as a potential Hall of Fame quarterback in Seattle and maybe turn it around but I I'm not banking on it um so that's a tough position to be in they they've not completely tanked I mean they've got three wins so that's a tough position like do you sell at that point or do you hold on and see if there's a way that maybe you can turn things around
2: you know I, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you that I don't know and, and that's the problem for them I don't know how you attack it if you're Denver because Are you really going to go into it um, and put yourself in the same situation that you've always been, which is be potentially really talented everywhere but quarterback? Because that's what they're sort of staring at in the face right now if Russell Wilson doesn't work. But honestly, like the alternative to just ride it out, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So, I, I mean, at some point, can you just live with the mistake Live with the fact that Russell Wilson is not going to be the reason that you're good and try and load up and retool and rebuild and be in the same old position you've been in for a long time. And that's maybe pretty good despite a quarterback. I mean, that is a – that's a yeah. – that, if I'm unless, a Broncos fan, that, that's hard to swallow. Unless Russell Wilson
1: long-term becomes the reason that you lose. Not just he's not the reason that you don't win and you can build around that, but if Russell Wilson becomes – Uh, A major, a major reason why a team loses. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough long term position to be in. And there's really yeah, there have been a couple of brief flashes of, I guess, like pre Denver Russell Wilson coming in. But by and large, it's not been good. And there's really not a whole lot of indication that it's going to get any better.
2: But what if it doesn't? Then what do you do? Do you then, – because then holding you're on stuck. to Chubb and, Chubb and Judy – Nobody's taking on that contract. Chubb and Judy don't make any sense, though, if you don't think it's going to get any better. It, it's a really interesting spot for Denver. Because what – you know, like, what are you looking at here? Like, what are you doing if you're Denver? Are you trying to win this year? Are you trying to win next year? Are you trying to win over the, the very long term? I, I, I don't know. And, and that's what makes it so hard for Denver is because, like, what the hell are you supposed to do? You, yeah, I you mean, I feel like things, everything in on Russ.
1: Yeah, things have shifted from Russell Wilson being the missing piece and the reason why they're going to win to Russell Wilson not being the reason why they win, potentially to Russell Wilson being the reason why they lose. Like, it's shifted well, and, pretty and significantly
2: crippling right. their franchise for a lot of years. Uh, all right, before we take this break, let's give something away. Tommy, let's give away a four-pack of Thunder tickets to this Friday's game and a, and a uh, free tea card to HTO. So that's on the line right now. Second caller, Jad, will take it during the break here. 869-1240, four-pack of tickets to Friday night's Thunder game and a free iced tea from HTO. We'll take that during the break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Wow.